This is Novel Marketing, the show that gives you innovative ideas on how to sell more books. With your host, agent, author, and marketing maven, Thomas Umstead Jr. And best-selling, award-winning author and marketing guru, James L. Rubart. Episode 191. I'm James L. Rubart, but you can call me Jim. I'm Thomas Umstead Jr. And in this episode, we're going to talk to you guys about how to measure your marketing. Yes, we're going to get into analytics, but not in a way that is difficult. The situation is, if you don't currently measure your marketing, we have good news and bad news for you. The bad news is that you're probably wasting a lot of time and energy and money on things that are not working for you. The good news is that if you prune away those things that aren't working and focus on what does work, you'll sell more books without spending any additional time and money. And by the way, this episode is both for indie and traditional authors. It's going to apply to both camps. While indies have a few more tools at their disposal, you probably will be surprised if your trad published how much of this episode applies to you. So, Thomas, you're the one that came up with this idea. What spurred you to go, we got to talk about this, Jim? Well, in some ways, this was our number one question that we get uh, in the sense that people are always asking us what works for marketing. <laughs> they ask it in a lot of different ways and they, you know, they'll ask in specific areas. And the answer is it depends. And the way to find out what works for you, your book, you in terms of your strengths and weaknesses and your readers is you have to measure and find out. And authors who don't measure, especially authors who hear you know, things taught at conferences or read things in some Facebook group, there are a lot of bad superstitions passed around at Facebook groups that have no basis in reality or will, will have no basis in your reality. And the only way to find out what works and what doesn't is to measure. And to give you an idea of how powerful this can be, back when I was the marketing director at Fahrenheit Marketing, we had a story that we shared about one of our clients that was advertising in magazines. They were buying, they're spending over $100,000 advertising in, I think, a dozen different magazines each year. And we were like, hey, let's find out which of these magazines are performing the best for you. And so we had those ads, the same ads that were running in the magazines, but all we changed was the 1-800 numbers. And we had a different 1-800 number for each magazine ad. And do you know what we found? 100% of the sales were coming from one magazine. And the other 11 magazines, the only calls they were getting were people trying to sell them additional magazine ads at other magazines in their industry. And so we were able to cut their costs by, I want to say, 80%. Because the magazine that was working was the most expensive magazine. But it was the only one that everyone was buying from. And we were able to cut all of the other magazines. And they had the same sales and a huge amount of money that they could then spend on other marketing activities. And these now, while you're not buying 800 numbers and you're not advertising in magazines, this principle still applies when you advertise books. You've got to know what's working and what doesn't and what doesn't and does work for you. Because that doesn't mean that those magazines they weren't buying ads in are bad magazines, that somebody else couldn't buy ads in those magazines and see results. But they weren't seeing results. And that's what's important to know what works for you. Okay, I got to throw in a golf analogy here, Thomas, because it is, you know, we have the Masters, the PGA is coming up, the US Open is coming up. So let me throw in a golf analogy. I, I love golf and, and I'm starting to play again. And what's interesting is you read these golf magazines, every pro 
out there has a little bit different approach. They Some cup their wrist, some don't cup their wrist, some tight into the body, some not. And so this idea that one size fits all certainly doesn't apply to golf or any other professional sport. But we do have the idea that, oh, this is the cookie cutter way to do marketing. So I love that you're emphasizing that it it, you have to find out what works for you because it might not work for somebody else. That's right. And it allows you to prune. So when you prune a plant, when you prune it, prune a tree, the energy of that tree that was going into the branches you didn't want now goes into the branches that you do want. And if you do this correctly and you do this over time, you end up with a big beautiful tree that gives you great shade and isn't ugly. Uh, If you do it poorly, you have a stumpy, ugly tree. (laughs) And uh, the same applies for your uh, marketing. And I will say, when it comes to measuring your marketing, this is what separates the bozos from the experts. Uh, The bozos just repeat something that they heard on uh, a podcast or read on a blog. The experts are the ones who are measuring it to see if what they heard is true. Uh, Because if you do something and you find out that it works, you can do more of that thing and you're able to literally make yourself money. If you spend $100 on Amazon ads and you get $500 back in book sales, you're like, well, gosh, I want to spend more money on Amazon and make myself more money. Uh, But the only way to know is to measure. So let's talk about what to measure. There are two kinds of metrics, uh, and a metric is a thing that you measure. Uh, There are vanity metrics and true metrics. (laughs) So a vanity metric is a metric that makes you feel good and helps you look impressive to other people, um, but is not useful for marketing, making marketing decisions. So these are the sorts of metrics that are often people spend too much time paying attention to. Uh, Jim, what are some vanity metrics that authors spend too much time looking at? Twitter. I've got X number of Twitter followers. Another one is Facebook likes on my uh, page. And, and, And this is bantied about not just by authors, Thomas, but you know this by publishers. And so authors think if I can show this many Facebook likes and I can show this many Twitter followers, I'll be a big deal to a publisher. Well, in a lot of cases, that's true where a publisher will will ask, what are your Facebook likes? How many do you have? And how many Twitter followers do you have? Uh, Which is a problem. Why is it a problem, Thomas? It's a problem because those uh, numbers don't correlate to sales. Although I will say I've spent a lot of time talking with publishers uh, in the last few months, and this is changing. In 2019, the publishers are getting savvy, and they no longer look at the numbers, uh, and they don't put the weight on the numbers like they used to. Uh, because if I am let's, – let's compare two fictional people. Uh, fictional Jim has 100,000 Twitter followers, and he follows 100,000 people on Twitter. And fictional Thomas has 10,000 Twitter followers, and he follows five people on Twitter. Which of those followings are more valuable? Probably fictional Thomas, right? Because if you're following 100,000 people and they're all following you back, you're all mutually ignoring each other. You're not getting any clicks. But even the Thomas number, those 10,000, that still is not is still a vanity metric in that it is not helpful for making marketing decisions. We're going to give you much better metrics. Uh, but first, let's go over a few more vanity metrics. Uh, Amazon author rank and Amazon book sales rank. Uh, the, the ranking that you have isn't very useful 
especially if you take a snapshot at one time, you know, two o'clock on Tuesday morning, I was number one in my category. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, congratulations. That's not very useful unless you're tracking it over time and connecting it with specific marketing efforts. So this was my sales rank. Uh, you know, in June, and then I did a book bub on the 1st of July. And this is my author rank and my book sales rank after the book bub. And you're able to do uh, some comparison that turns the vanity metric into a true metric or a useful metric. Another vanity metric, and this is a little bit surprising because we do push this a lot uh, in the podcast is email list size. So how many people you have subscribed to your email list alone by itself is a vanity metric. The way that you turn it into a true metric is to look at your click-through rate and your open rate. Uh, Because if you have a million people on your list and only five of them open your email, that number, the million person number, is not a useful number. (laughs) What's useful is the five that actually open the email when you send it out. Yeah, a publisher a publisher is going to get a lot more excited if you say, I have a 60% open rate on the 10,000 people than a 0.009% open rate on 50,000 people. It's just, and it sounds like what you're saying is publishers are getting more and more savvy about that, where they'll ask the question, not how big is your email list, but how, what is your open rate? That's right. And even if you don't have a publisher, let's say you're indie published, you want to be tracking not just how many people are on your list, but how many people are opening. Because if you do a giveaway and you have, you know, a thousand people on your list, you do a giveaway and now you have 2000 people on your list, but the number of people opening your emails doesn't change. You have just added a thousand people to your list that are costing you money and aren't making you money, right? Because no one's going to buy from you if they're not going to open your email. And what's even more useful than the open rate is the click through rate, because uh, really they have to click a link on your email to buy before they buy. <laughs> so that's that's the golden that's the golden uh, number to look at. And all of the email programs that are any good will track all of three of these. They'll track number of people on your list, they'll track the open rate, and they'll track the click-through rate. All right. You ready for some true metrics? Yes, we've got the vanity ones. Now we want <laughs> we want the ones that we need to care about. That's right. So the next one is, it can be a vanity metric, uh, and that's page views. So it's a vanity metric on irrelevant pages. So you wrote a blog post about your dog. The page views on that page don't matter. Uh, whereas page views on a landing page, let's say in my book table book page, that matters, right? You want to try to make that number go up. More page views on a landing page, all things being equal, are going to cause you to sell more books. That's a metric you want to pay attention to. Uh, And then email open rate, email click-through rate. We've already talked about these. These are important metrics as well. You want to know and you want to track them. Uh, Return on investment uh, is really important. If you're spending money on advertising, you want to know what your return is on that money. And we'll tell you how to get these numbers. We're not just going to tell you to measure them and then send you out to the wolves. So stay listening. Uh, also, sales, right? This is perhaps one of the most important metrics. <laughs> how many books did I sell on July 4th, uh, 2019? Uh, and was that higher or lower than July 3rd, 2019? It's a very useful metric. Uh, and this has been historically one of the things that have separated indies from traditionally published authors is whether or not they get their sales data and they get their sales data on a day-by-day basis. Historically, 
Indies have had access to this data. Traditionally published authors have not had access to this data. But I, I was just at a conference talking with vendors who sell software to publishers, and technology is coming out where traditionally published authors may have access to this data as soon as 2019, as soon as this year, later this year. Uh, so if you're traditionally published, reach out right now to your publisher and say, hey, are you in the process of developing an author portal of some kind so I can get more detailed sales data to help me with my marketing. Uh, You may be surprised. They might say, yes, here's a link. One more thing, Thomas, and that is you have to take into consideration your time and what you invest in it. So say you spend $100 and you get $200 back, but your time is worth something. So if you end up spending $1,000 to do that, that still is not a great return on investment because if you're doing A, that means you're not doing B, and B can potentially be a much bigger return on investment for you. That's right. So you you want to figure out what your time is worth. And if your time's worth $25 an hour and you spent four hours on it and you spent $100 in four hours, you really spent $200. And so you need to take that into consideration. I, I completely agree. Uh, and then uh, the final metric is click-through rate. When you share something uh, on Facebook or Twitter, the click-through rate or the number of clicks that that share gets is a useful metric. And we're going to show you If you share a book on Twitter, you can know exactly how many people clicked that uh, link and how many people bought the technology exists. All right. So hopefully we have your attention Uh, uh, and let's just get to it. The way to find out if someone has purchased from you or has clicked one of your links that you share online is with something called a tracking URL. Now, tracking URLs can work both online and offline potential. It's harder to make them work offline uh, because people tend to shorten. So if you have go to mywebsite.com forward slash, uh, you know, tracking information, often people will go to yourwebsite.com and then they won't type in the forward slash or the extra information. So it doesn't work as well offline, but it works really well online. And the best way to do this is with an, an Amazon affiliate tracking ID. So if you're a part of the Amazon affiliate program, you get a tracking URL that allows you to get a commission off of the sales that you send Amazon. You can do this with your own book. But what's really cool is that you don't just get one ID. You get up to, it's either 20 or 50. I don't remember off the top of my head. But you get a lot, a lot of IDs, and you can create special IDs for special campaigns. So let's say you're buying magazine ads. Let's go back to that original example. You can put one link on one magazine. You can put one link on another magazine. And you will, in Amazon, not only will tell you how many clicks they got on that tracking URL, but they will also tell you how many sales you got on that tracking URL. This is why it's the gold standard, because you actually get sales data. So Because somebody could click the link and then decide not to buy. Or they could click the link and decide to buy. And you don't have insight on that with a regular tracking URL, but you do an Amazon affiliate tracking URL. And we have a link in the show notes to the Amazon affiliate program where you can just go sign up. It's very easy to do and it is really useful and it makes you additional money. So there's no reason not to do it unless you live in a state or territory where Amazon is prohibited um, for one reason or another. And let's make sure people understand that we're not talking about you advertising in magazines. We're talking about you're going to advertise maybe on Pinterest or Facebook or Twitter, or that's where you're going to put these these codes. And you're going to, so you can put a different code on each each spot to to know which quote magazine or which social media or wherever you advertise is working the best. 
Exactly. Or even on your own website. So you can have a special tracking URL just from links on your website. So you can know how many of your sales went through your author website first. You can have insight into all of this data with Amazon tracking URLs. Now, let's say you are not in Amazon's uh, affiliate region. You're in a state where it's prohibited or you're wanting to track something on social media other than a book sale. So let's say you're sharing a lead magnet to your website and you want to know how many people clicked the link in the Facebook post that you made going to that lead magnet. How do you find out? The answer is with Bitly. So you've probably seen Bitly links. Uh, bit.ly is a website where you can take a long URL and shorten it into a short URL. What a lot of people don't know, though, is that if you take that short URL and add a plus to the end of it, you can see how many times that URL has been clicked, when those clicks were, and I think even where in the country the clicks came from. You can do this on yours and you can do it on other people's. And this is not just true with Bitly links. It's also true with all of the URL shortening services that use Bitly as a vendor. So um, Kickstarter, for instance, uses Bitly as a vendor. So if you take a Kickstarter share link and add a plus to the end of it, it will give you that same stats page that a Bitly link will give you. And a lot of URL shorteners use Bitly behind the scenes. So adding that plus Uh, which is just shift equals on your keyboard to the end of the URL brings up a special analytics page, both for your links and for somebody else's. Now, you also can create, and we'll talk about dashboards here in a second. You can create your own Bitly dashboard that will give you in one place all of your own Bitly links. You don't have to add the plus every time. But it's a really powerful and really easy way to turn any link into a tracking link. That is so cool. All right. There's another way to do this. Let's say you don't want to use Bitly. You can use the WordPress redirection plugin, which is a free plugin for WordPress. And this is for WordPress.org, the real WordPress, not WordPress.com. I know some (laughs) of you have been getting on WordPress.com because it's free and easy, uh, but WordPress.com doesn't allow you to use plugins. Uh, WordPress.org allows you to add plugins and the redirection plugin is really cool. So it allows you to set up, you know, your author name.com forward slash reader magnet. And that redirects to somewhere else. So I have like thomasumstead.com forward slash Facebook takes you to Facebook, (laughs) but my page on Facebook. And so I can see exactly how many people go to that URL to get to my Facebook page. You can track it for any kind of link. Uh, You can set the URL up on your own website. It works just like bit.ly. You can see how many clicks you get uh, and you can use it with internal links. So you can have, you know, let's say a page doesn't exist anymore. You can redirect people somewhere else. Or let's say in your book, you just say, go to mywebsite.com forward slash um, printable to get the printable of this thing that I'm talking about or map to get the map that I'm talking about. And then that redirects them to the page that has the map and shows you exactly how many readers have gone to that page to get map. It's a very powerful tool and it's a very easy to use tool. All right. So those are tracking URLs. They can be used all over. Now let's talk about dashboards that help you measure your marketing. And so we've already talked about the Bitly dashboard and I'll have a link to sign up for that. It's a free dashboard. It's really easy. There's no reason not to use a Bitly link if you're wanting to track on Twitter. Um, Facebook uh, does deprioritize Bitly links a little bit because they don't want people getting data on just how useless Facebook is. Um, But it's still potentially worth it to have that tracking information. 
the next dashboard is the KDP dashboard. This is for indie authors only. If you're an indie author, you probably spend a lot of time here because it tells you how many sales you have each day, how many KU rentals you have, uh, and in which, you know, here's sales of the ebook, here's sales of the print book. And you can see, oh, wow, I had a whole bunch of sales on Tuesday. What did I do? Oh, that's when my guest blog post that I wrote a month ago for such and such blogger went live. I can see I got a bunch of sales. Of course, it'd be better if you had in that guest blog post your Amazon affiliate tracking ID because you can know exactly how many sales came from the blog post, uh, which is really helpful if you have multiple marketing efforts going simultaneously. But if you're only doing one marketing thing at a time, sometimes just looking at the daily report and the KDP dashboard is really helpful. Uh, Book report is like a more user-friendly version of the KDP dashboard. So it brings in data from Amazon and makes it pretty for you. And we'll have a link to this in the show notes. We have a link uh, to all of these tools in the show notes. Uh, The next uh, dashboard is Google Analytics, which we've talked a lot about. It's free. It gives you uh, information on who's visiting your website, uh, from where, how long are they spending. Uh, It can be very useful. Uh, especially if you have landing pages on your website, you can see uh, how many people are coming to those landing pages and how many people are clicking your links because you're really great insight on your website. And let's say you're nonfiction and you're writing blog posts, knowing which uh, blog posts are getting good traction is really helpful for guiding the topics that you write about. Uh, and then very quickly, MailChimp and ConvertKit, the two email programs that we recommend. Uh, ConvertKit's a little bit more expensive, but it's a little easier to use and more powerful. MailChimp is cheaper uh, and still good. Uh, both of them have great analytics. And then uh, Facebook Insights. Facebook has a analytics portal. Uh, it's actually getting less useful over time because Facebook is trying to hide the data and keep it uh, only to themselves. But you can still see really good demographic information of who your Facebook fans are. Are they men? Are they women? What ages are they? You get a good breakdown. And no one knows you better than Facebook. <laughs> Facebook knows you better <laughs> than you know yourself. So true. <laughs> Which is uh, both impressive as a marketer and also a little scary as a human being. <laughs> uh, and then finally, if you're, pub- if you're traditionally published, ask your publisher if they have an author portal uh, so that it gives you sales data because that may be uh, the most useful dashboard for you if you're traditionally published. Uh, If you're independently published, the KDP dashboard acts as the author portal. So hopefully that was helpful. I realize this is kind of technical. uh, And I also realize that some of you listening are not going to put this into practice. You're going to say, I don't want to measure. And you really are doing yourself a disservice. If, If you go to the show notes of this Uh, episode, you start playing around with Bitly, you start playing around with Amazon affiliate tracking, you can start to see what's working and what's not. And a little tiny investment, you invest an hour or two into setting these tracking systems up. Uh, I promise you, you will save that much time in activities that you were able to stop doing. So you were doing something and you thought it was giving you a lot of benefit and you realize it's not giving you any benefit at all. That Those links you were sharing on Twitter, once you use Bitly links, you realize no one was clicking on those links. And that if you stop sharing those links on Twitter, it literally does nothing bad for you. <laughs> uh, or you find out, oh my gosh, people are clicking on these links like crazy. I need to do more of this and less of something else. So I'm not here to really advocate one method. I'm here to advocate measuring to find out what works and what doesn't. And for those of you who are not analytical, our challenge to you is just try one of them. Just just go to the show notes, try one of them, and just see 
how it feels because I'm not an analytical guy overall. But when I started using this, it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't know I could do this. I didn't know this would work for me. And it is so easy. So that's the challenge. Just give at least one of them a try. And you can find our show notes at novelmarketing.com forward slash 191 for episode 191. And Thomas, we have a featured patron for today. Most of you know that we're uh, part of Patreon, where you have the opportunity to support the podcast uh, financially. And if you are at a certain level, you get featured. Your book gets featured on the show. So today we are featuring a new book by Mary DeMuth. It's called Healing Every Day, A 90-Day Devotional Journey. From beloved author, storyteller, and prayer warrior Mary DeMuth comes a heartfelt devotional combining stories, scripture, and prayers to reveal God's heart for broken and healing people. And as of this recording, she is the number one new release in devotionals. So congrats, Mary, and we'll have a link in the show notes if you want to go check out that book. And Mary, thank you so much for supporting the Novel Marketing Podcast. Our sponsor is the five-year plan to becoming a best-selling author. If you want someone to help you go from where you are to where you want to be step-by-step through the entire process, the five-year plan is our very popular course uh, to help you do that. Uh, We start with, uh, and it's for novelists specifically, but you start by writing short stories and getting good at the craft. And we take you through the process of either traditionally published publishing or and finding an agent and a publisher and getting them super excited about you or doing it yourself. So we have both tracks. So it's both indie and trad, depending on which you prefer. And ultimately writing a book that hits a bestseller status. And we have had great feedback from this. And here's the best part. It's a guaranteed to work. If you're willing to put in the work and, you know, it's a lot of work. So in the first 30 days, look into seeing how much work it is. But if you are willing to put in the work, you are guaranteed to get the results because there really is a path that is proven. It's just a lot of work. So this is not easy. (laughs) So hear us when we say this is not easy, but we do make it easier by showing you what to do and what not to waste your time on. So Thomas, you just got back from Switzerland with, with mercy, the three of you, you and Margaret and mercy went to Switzerland. Good, good trip, bad (laughs) trip, everything in between trip. Yeah. So I taught for a week on marketing in, in Switzerland, which, uh, let me just say Switzerland is beautiful. And I love how every, village has a bunker and like enough food stored for six months like so if you if there was an apocalypse switzerland was the place you want to live out the apocalypse in uh because they are going to be the ones inheriting the earth uh when the zombies come because they are they are ready for it and uh, they have very defendable and beautiful mountains and very friendly cows and um i had a lot of fun teaching the students there were great uh traveling to europe with a six-month-old baby I do not recommend (laughs) our poor little one was so jet lagged. She couldn't sleep on the plane. She just wanted to interact with the other people on the plane. So when we got there, she was so tired. She, she couldn't fall asleep because she was so tired. And she just kind of moaned for a day as we tried to get her to go to sleep. And, and it it was just really hard on her. It was hard on my wife uh, with the transition. Um, So we, the plane, we planned this. I I had been booked to speak in Switzerland. Let's work. It was in the works longer than mercy was in the works. (laughs) So, uh, and I wasn't going to leave my wife and daughter behind but um we're probably not gonna be doing that uh with the baby anytime soon again <laughs> lesson <laughs> learned good experience i got a trip to switzerland but uh yeah i'm gonna be i'm gonna be staying closer to home especially if i'm taking the little one with me now you've been doing a lot of traveling too where have you been 
I have been. Yeah, I've been to Colorado Springs and um, I've been to California, San Jose, and I just got back from Blairsville, Georgia, which is in the north east corner of the state and we did a rhubarb writing academy there it went oh gosh it was a great great academy and i played this game thomas that i don't know how i've missed it because everyone else knows all about it but it's called cornhole and so i've started building my own cornhole uh set just out of plywood and 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 two by fours so i'm looking forward to building that and, and playing that and then we went taylor and i after the academy was over we went to the highest spot the biggest, tallest mountain in Georgia. And it was 4,700 feet high. <laughs> and I don't mean to laugh, but being from the Northwest, that's that's a big hill. Um, we think mountains are, you know, 14,000 feet high around here. Uh, but it was still gorgeous view. And from this spot, Thomas, you can see four different states standing um, at this observatory. Wow. So love Georgia. North Georgia is it's just beautiful. I mean, it was just, we were in a really beautiful spot. So yeah, uh, fun, but done with the travel for a little while, and, and that feels more than okay. Very good. But if you're looking for a speaker at your writer's conference, do reach out. There's a chance either Jim or I might be available, and you can reach out to us at novelmarketing.com. You've been listening to James L. Rubart and Thomas Umstead Jr. on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you innovative ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing, offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thank you so much for listening.